This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. My name is Carolina Salazar, also known as the Carolina Lifestyle on TikTok and Instagram. My goal with this podcast is to demystify modern spirituality, talk about all things holistic health and wellness, and to also empower you to show up as your best and highest self. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you in the show. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a really beautiful day. Welcome back to the podcast. If you are new here, if this is the first time you're listening to Luna, welcome. I am so excited that you're here today. And I am just so excited for this podcast episode because I was able to record with Kate Noel. Kate is a mindset and ED recovery coach, and she's also a podcaster. She's a host of the Take the Cake podcast, and she is extremely passionate about supporting people through their healing journeys. She is so amazing. I literally don't even have the words to begin explaining how obsessed I am with her. I actually found Kate through YouTube around two and a half to three years ago, I think two and a half years ago. She had been sharing a lot of amazing content on YouTube about her own journey recovering from an eating disorder. She used to be a model and so she shared a lot about the realities of having an eating disorder as a model and all the things she was doing. She shared videos, you know, eating people's fear foods or just talking about a variety of different topics regarding ED healing. And since I have, you know, been through my own journey with ED healing, with just healing disordered eating and learning to love my own body and to make peace with food and movement and to see my health from a holistic perspective, I instantly connected with Kate's message and I just think it's so beautiful how with time, you know, as I started sharing my own content with the Carolina lifestyle and sharing my own story and sharing tips, we connected on a friend level and we became social media friends and she was then able to come on the podcast and This is just such a beautiful episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. A little trigger warning. We will go into topics like eating disorders, like recovery, and things like that. So if that is still a triggering topic for you, if you are still in the part of healing where, you know, it's not really something you want to go into, maybe skip this episode. But regardless, I think it's just such a beautiful conversation. We get to hear a bit about Kate's story, how she struggled and how she recovered And we also dive into stress. We dive into her spiritual journey as well. So we get to hear a little bit about that, how she's connected to spirituality and what it means to her. We also chat about the eating disorder voice, you know, the inner voice within us that isn't completely gone as we go down the recovery path. You know, a lot of the times we'll have this inner voice that will try to sway us in the direction of old patterns and old beliefs and old things that are toxic or not good for us and how to identify the ED voice and how to then choose to show up with your healing voice and how to let that voice be the strongest one. We also chatted a bit about what you can do if someone in your family or a friend or just someone in your life is currently going through an ED or is, you know, 
currently struggling with their own body and their own relationship to food and exercise and how you can navigate that. And then also how you can set boundaries, you know, when things are triggering or when things just don't feel comfortable for you as you heal. And overall, it was just such a cool conversation. We had such a good time. It flowed so well and she's just so awesome. So with that said, let's dive into the episode. I will see you guys on the other side and I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. I am back with another guest episode. Today, I'm sitting with Kate Noel. I've been following Kate for a while now, so this is a fangirl moment for me because I've learned so much from her on my own journey with body acceptance, with ED healing. So welcome to the pod, Kate. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Such a full circle moment. You know, I just like love hearing about people who have connected with me for so long and vice versa. Like I've been following you for a while too. You are amazing and, you know, have such a such incredible content that I resonate a lot with. So I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that a lot. And it really is a full circle moment. So the first thing that I always ask my guests is what is your sun, moon and rising in astrology, if you know it? Yeah. So I don't know my (laughs) rising. I I only know that I'm a Sagittarius. Amazing. Somebody did, I think, tell me what it was. And I like, just, I just didn't remember, but I wish I did. (sighs) Knew my other... Well, today we're having a Sagittarius full moon exactly on this recording day. So how are you feeling emotionally today? (laughs) I feel good. I feel fine. I'm on my period. So I feel like I feel I'm on like the last day of my period. And that's always a really good day for me. I always feel like time for a new month. Like, let's go. Um, Yes, exactly. I I feel good today. I don't know what's typically like emotions that people feel or is it just like high emotions I feel like with the full moon being in your sun it's just like amplifying your like vitality so it would also be in alignment with that like feeling that you're having and just like you're getting ready for a trip as well you were telling me Mm -hmm. and Sagittarius is a lot about travels and like exploring the world as well so super in alignment great and for those who are listening who aren't familiar with your page which if they're not, they need to get on that ASAP. But could you just share a bit about what you do online and also what motivated you to start sharing content? Yeah. So I was motivated by my own eating disorder recovery, which started in 2018. And I was just posting it on YouTube. And really it was for my own recovery. Like I wasn't doing it to be like a YouTuber or to be a content creator or anything like that. It just like naturally happened. And Um, so that was so cool to be like, my recovery was affirmed in that way. It was like, so motivating for me to continue on the journey. And so I started off with YouTube and then it ended up evolving into podcasting and Instagram. And now I do a little bit of TikTok. So I'm, I took a break from YouTube for a little bit. Um, this is kind of like, I haven't said this yet, but I'm actually thinking about coming back to YouTube, which is going to be really cool. Um, just, I think this time a little bit, not as much focused on like YouTube as my job, but just like more for fun, which I think will be a lot more refreshing for me and like more sustainable. So that's good. And yeah, and now I'm a recovery coach, which is so cool because, you know, I was connecting with such a big audience, not not like a big audience, but you know, I wasn't connecting one-on-one with people as much as I would have liked. So I went to school to become a mind-body eating coach. And I also did an eating disorder recovery certification as well. And it really 
was so amazing and helped me so much. And now I see clients. So I'm fully recovered and I just love talking about integrating like wellness. My thing is like honest health and wellness. So it's not like the eating disorder version of wellness, which I think is kind of a slippery slope these days. It's like, um, hard to navigate. So I just try and help people navigate that and feel confident and, and have their own autonomy over their bodies. And, you know, I think it's great when people self-experiment and try new things. It's just about like intention and where your intention is. So that's something I'm really passionate about. Yes, that's amazing. And that's so cool. You got those certifications and I bet that has really helped you also like formulate your own kind of take on ED recovery and how to do that in a very empowering way and helping other people through their journeys. So I agree with you in the sense of getting to talk one-on-one with people who are part of your community, your audience, who like your content. There's just like something really special about that. So I'm really happy that that's been your progression and that that's been aligned for you. And I would love to also have you share a little bit about your own story I think it's really beautiful to hear about people's recovery journeys because it's so non-linear and it's so different for everyone, but also carries some themes that are kind of universal between a lot of people's experiences. So we'd love to have you share a little bit about that. I'd love to. Okay. So I started disordered eating really young, classic, like 14 or so, um, not that it, you have to be 14, but you know, I feel like it's like an age where a lot of people really start to experiment with their diets and body image and stuff like that. So that was my journey. And it really quickly turned into like behaviors. Like at first it was like, Oh, I'm going to pick low calorie stuff at the grocery store with my mom. And then I'm going to like, you know, maybe work out a little bit more. And then it was not all of a sudden, I mean, it did kind of feel all of a sudden, but it was just like, just became more and more normalized in my mind. And then I had full on bulimia. I was abusing laxatives. I was, you know, had periods of restrictive eating. So just like anorexia, um, and just was really unhappy and stuck in this cycle. I felt like I just had completely lost control and I just felt like I had no idea. So the eating disorder became a coping mechanism for me really quickly. I didn't have, like, I had a great childhood and everything, and I have great parents and family, but I just had some hard times in my life. Like, it was just hard to grow up for me. I don't know why. I just felt really sensitive, and mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I just felt so much pressure. Like, I really had so little self-worth. It was all conditional. My self-worth was conditional on, like, what I was doing, what I was wearing, and I always felt insecure. Like, I just felt insecure in all realms of my life, and that reflected a lot in my body image. So then, Basically, I had a disordered eating, eating disorder uh, all the way up. And I really was super in denial, like phase one of recovery, just in denial, you know, wasn't really feeling like I could tell anyone and I didn't feel safe to tell anyone. And uh, then I ultimately ended up moving to Los Angeles from Indiana, where I'm from, and got scouted as a model really early on. I hadn't even had a place to live yet. I was just here, like, there's like the first month I was here. Um, and so I kind of felt like that was really validated my eating disorder. And it really made me feel like, like there was a part of me that was like, oh my gosh, I've been suffering for all these years. And finally it's for a good reason. 
So I've kind of sucked back into the restricting and really like the bulimia. I was, it kind of motivated me to like just restrict because that's like the glamorized version of, I think, eating disorders right now, which is really sad because restricting is just as awful as any other eating disorder. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's really glamorized yeah. this like sense of control. It's and also just, like we have these words like anorexia or bulimia, but like there isn't really just one word that encompasses all the different things that go along with the restriction too. Totally. And honestly, as an eating disorder recovery coach, I'm all about like breaking free from labels. So like it doesn't serve everyone to like, obviously I don't want people to be ignorant and like, I'm not going to say ignore your diagnosis, like get diagnosed for sure. But at the same time, like you don't have to like forever be like, I have anorexia. Like you can say something like I suffer with anorexia. That's like so much more empowering and even if it doesn't serve you, you you don't have to like constantly have it a ringtone in your head. That's like, this is me. This is me. This is me. So totally. And you're right. Like my eating disorder evolved into like every aspect of disordered eating. So it's like hard to even know where I was at, you know, it's just, it was such a coping mechanism. I had so many underlying issues that they all kind of served their own purpose. So Totally. Um, but yeah, I got scouted as a model and then it just kind of got worse. Um, until one day I was like, I really want to get my period back. I hadn't really had my period at all throughout my teenage years because of my eating disorder and in my, you know, early twenties. And I, I mean, I was like, my life on the outside looked like it should be good. And I had like great relationship and, um, friends and like, it just didn't align with me anymore. Like not like it ever aligned with me to have an eating disorder, but I was just like, what am I doing? So I really was motivated to get my period back. And then I just went all in. I quit my modeling agent. Uh, I didn't necessarily quit modeling, which in hindsight, I wish I would have, but I, I quit my modeling agent that was toxic and started recovering on my own and started trying to get my period back about uh, nine months later, I got my period back. Not to say that's everyone. Some people it's earlier. Some people it takes longer, but honestly, I did not have hope for myself during that time. I mean, I had enough hope to continue on, but I didn't really have that much just to, for anyone out there who doesn't have a period who has hypothalamic amenorrhea because of restrictive eating or overexercise, I didn't have a lot of hope either. And I still got my back. So just want to throw that in there. Um, yeah. And I, I felt like so good that like my body showed me that it was like a normal body and that it could heal. And it really broke down a lot of walls for me. So that's when I decided to start sharing online. And then I feel like my eating disorder was not solved with my HA recovery. I definitely still had an eating disorder. So that's where like the real kind of like work for me really began, like the mental mindset aspects of it. So yeah, I think that was everything. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. I I still have yet to record a full episode sharing my own journey. And I was hanging out with some friends this weekend and I was telling them the journey and I was like, wow, you really go through all different <laughs> spectrums. Like I went through also so many different ebbs and flows and experienced so many different things. So thank you for sharing and opening up about it on the podcast. I think for a lot of people listening, you're a very inspirational person and your story is very inspiring, gives a lot of people hope as well. And I think for a lot of people, the period recovery is a huge motivator as well. Like I get tons of questions in my inbox about it, just asking me like, how did you get your period back? 
So I have my own story with it, but I would love to hear your tips for someone who, if they're listening and they Mm -hmm. don't have their period and they're really wanting to like recover in that way, what would you recommend? Yeah, it's a good question. Getting your period back is very satisfying because a lot of eating disorder recovery is so not like tangible. Whereas like your period is so tangible. You're like, Mm -hmm. there's like blood coming out of my body. So I know I'm doing something right. Whereas like (laughs) everything else, it's like, I think I'm healing my body image. I'm not really sure. Like it's so slow. So the period is really satisfying for sure. Um, And also side note, before you dive into the tips that I remembered, you said for a lot of girls, age 14, 15 is when eating disordered patterns can begin. And it's really interesting because I've started to observe that that's also around the time a lot of people start getting their period for the first time. Oh my gosh. And start like hormonally changing and coming into their female bodies. It's like when puberty really hits for women as well. So Totally. It kind of goes hand in hand. It really does. I mean, this not enough education, not enough like empowering women to girls to feel good in their bodies. It's so scary to to get your period in a lot of ways. And um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. So that 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 is true. It's really interesting that you made that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so tips. So essentially, HA, like I'm not a doctor. Here's what I know about HA from all my journey and my own schooling, everything that, um, HA is a issue of too much stress and not enough like resources to mitigate that stress. So we can lose our periods and not have an eating disorder. You know, you can be a normal eater and go through a really stressful stage of your life, like a divorce or somebody passing away, or like, even like moving everyone's body's different. So everyone has a different resiliency to stress. And what happens with eating disorders is we have so much compounded and chronic stress from a variety of sources. Number one is, well, not necessarily number one, but one of them is mental stress. So just constantly affirming to yourself that you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You don't deserve to eat. You are different than everyone else. Like whatever is floating around in your mind, that chronic stress definitely does something to your body. Um, And then on top of that, you also have typically people either under eating or um, binging and purging, like any sort of you know, issue behavior where you're not giving your body adequate nutrition. And that doesn't necessarily just mean restricting that, like I said, can mean any sort of eating that's not normal and then not consistent for your body. So that is hard on our bodies and we really need nutrition, food, nourishment to mitigate stress in our life. Like what happens when we get stressed is our blood sugar rises and our minerals get depleted. So the stress eats away at our magnesium, our potassium, our mineral stores. And that is, that's why a lot of people say like, Oh, I stress eat. It's like, that's actually not something to be ashamed of. That's something that's a physiologic response in the body. That's really important. So it's good to eat when you're stressed. That's what, that's an accessible way for us to mitigate that. And then the third thing I mean, there's more than three things, but I feel like in my clients, the other big thing is just over-exercise. So that's another form of stress. So as you can see, stress is like, the, it's the thing here that, um, it's is, the root. 
It's the root. Yeah. So all of these things, and then plus, you know, just other stuff in life is, is stressful. And, um, yeah, so it's just about the body not being able to mitigate stress. So a lot of people are like, I'm underweight. And so I don't have my period. It's like actually being underweight is like, yes, you have to have a certain weight to have a period, but it's really the reasons why you're underweight that you don't have a period. Does that make sense? Like weight is the secondary symptom of like, that's reflective of the way you're living your life. So it's really just mitigating stress. (laughs) Yeah. And by being underweight, you're also putting your body through physical stress. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm really glad that you share those tips because stress really is the underlying thing. And I think a lot of the times when people ask me, oh, how did you get your period back? Like a lot of the things that helped me was like meditation or things like that, that put your body in a more safe energy. Safe is the word. It's that safety that you're so true. Anything that makes your body feel like it, it's not safe. safe. It's yeah. It's bad for your hormones. Like it's, it's not, it's not good. And a lot of the things that I mentioned too is chakra balancing, especially root chakra. And the root chakra is literally all about safety. Like Mm. it's feeling safe and secure. And that can come from many different ways, but one of them being food as well. Like when you're nourished, your body feels safer. So I'm really glad that you touched on all the different levels of stress as well, because as you were saying, someone might lose their period for non-eating disorder related things, but eating disorders are a huge source of stress mentally and physically and emotionally as well. So totally really happy you touched on that. And something else that I really wanted to ask you is that on the road to healing, And along the way to recovery, we kind of come in contact with our recovered and healed voice Mm -hmm. in our mind, and then also our eating disorder voice. The Mm -hmm. eating disorder voice is still there. And so how do you navigate the ED voice and when it comes up? And how do you align progressively more and more with your healed voice? That's a beautiful question. Um, also, I love the chakra healing. Um, I'm, I absolutely love that. And yeah, food is so grounding. And I just wanted to add this before I go in. I think a lot of us with eating disorder history kind of feel ethereal, like we're kind of floating, we're kind of above, we're kind of like not grounded. So it's scary to think about eating because it feels grounding, like the feeling of fullness and the feeling of like not really necessarily having that like stress response floaty experience is kind of scary. So it's just interesting that you brought that up. And I, I love mm-hmm. talking about that kind of stuff because it's really true. Why are you scared of having the sensation of food in your body? You know, it's kind of an interesting question to explore. Yeah. On a deep level. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, um, so eating disorder voice, here's what usually happens with eating disorder mind, you know, what happens is we are so conditioned to let the eating disorder voice take us away that we just let it happen. And I think a lot of people, including myself really felt like the eating disorder voice wins every time. And I just like, kind of let it win. Like I didn't really question it. Like I said earlier, it was so normalized in my life. And, you know, the thing I recommend to all my clients is when you start to have those healthy self thoughts, 
you kind of have to curate them at first. Like you kind of have to make them up in a way or like find them and dig really deep because they, they might not even really exist. Um, I mean, they do exist, but you might just have to really dig. So even a healthy self-statement can be like, I don't want this eating disorder. You know, it doesn't have to be like, I am a magical person capable of like, it doesn't have to be so extreme. You know, you can be like, you can be like something so simple. Like if your eating disorder voice is telling you, you don't deserve to eat that breakfast, your healthy self voice can literally be like, fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, can I say that? Yeah. Like to your, to your, you know, it doesn't have to be like anything. Like, of course I, I would love it to be something like you deserve, you know, you deserve to eat breakfast. You're a human being on this earth. And like breakfast allows you to, to function in society and thrive. So like, I would love it to be that, but you know, sometimes it's not that easy. Sometimes you just need to be like angry or like mad at your eating disorder mm-hmm. voice. So honestly, healthy self, it, it can change the, the thing I want my, all my clients to do is just to have some response to the eating disorder voice, just not letting the eating disorder like take you away. Um, and having some sort of response, ideally it's before you like engage in a behavior. Like if that's what you're focusing on, then it would be like having that conversation before you engage in the behavior. And if you engage in the behavior or not, at least you talk to yourself through it. And over time, that healthy self voice, that healed voice, it becomes more dominant than like the eating disorder voice. It's a really slow shift. Um, So I love just having my clients like write out a little conversation back and forth between their eating disorder and healthy self voice. It's a really common thing that in the recovery space that people do. But like I said, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to, it, it can be whatever you feel like you need it to be in that moment, just to help you get through whatever you're experiencing. Um, So yeah, it does get easier though. I think a lot of people feel like a fraud when they're like talking to their eating disorder and they're like, I don't believe any of this. And it's like, it doesn't matter. You're not supposed to believe it right away. You know, it's going to take time for you to believe it and really feel it. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think something else that also comes up along the recovery journey is like, we're doing all this work on ourselves on being mindful of the eating disorder voice, being mindful of those internalized judgments that have been there for so long and learning to tell that voice to fuck off and mm-hmm. say like, no inner mean girl, like we're not allowed here today. And some days we're more mindful of that inner talk and other days it feels like just our inner voice and we're not able to distinguish the two of them. But another level of healing, I think also comes from our relationship to other people and the people we're around. So something that I wanted to ask you related to ED recovery too is let's say you're on this path to healing and you're feeling like you're in a good place, but maybe a family member or a friend seems to be struggling. You notice that maybe they're talking about losing weight constantly or fasting, or or maybe they're talking about food is good and bad. And you are able to spot the eating disorder patterns in them. Mm -hmm. How do you recommend navigating through those experiences? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it depends on the relationship. Um, like let's say like family and then friends okay family like what kind of relationship like this is family that you're like you're close with and you're seeing a lot mm-hmm. yeah let's say like anywhere in your immediate family so like parents or 
cousins or siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you feel like trustworthy of them and close with them, then I mean, even if you don't fully, but you know, having that sense of trust is really important. Uh, I think that setting a boundary and, and saying something is, is better than ignoring it, you know? So regardless of who you're talking to, I always recommend coming from a place like pointing the finger at yourself rather than pointing the finger at them. Um, not to like put more blame on yourself. Um, but to say something like it hurts me when you talk about fasting versus like when you fast, I don't feel good. Like it's just just a little bit of a difference there. So just like kind of having that be like the driving factor, like focusing on how you feel instead of like pointing out their shortcomings and then making them feel bad about it, you know, making it about how you feel. And I think that will allow people to not feel like their own sense of guilt and shame. Cause like everyone has their own journey. Also educating your parents or your family members, um, educating people is great. Um, if somebody in your life really wants to support you, you can, you know, say, I would love for you to just check in on me instead of a lot of people get tripped up because like their parents will be like, you need to eat this or you need to do this. And I think it makes people feel like they're being like watched and it's not very supportive. It doesn't make you feel very good. Um, so I would say like having them check in on you more generally, like once a day, and then you can share whatever you want. But yeah, as far as like triggering parents and family goes, I would just say like pointing the finger at yourself and with both friends and family and anyone that you have a confrontational conversation with, um, like leaving it open for both ends to speak, both people to speak is really good. So even though you're coming to your parents, let's say, and, and bringing up something they're doing, I think it's also important to be like, how do you feel about my recovery? Like, how do you feel about it? If you're in a space where you can hear it, if not, then that's okay. But if you're in a space where you can hear it, I feel like having them share will just allow you to have like a deeper understanding of each other and you can support each other in this journey because I guarantee your parents and cousins, if they're talking about fasting or if they're talking about their own issues with food, they're probably not happy either. So like, I'm sure it would be supportive and inspiring for them to also feel like good in this situation. So that's like the ideal situation I would say. And then when it comes to friends, honestly, not, not that different. Like, again, I feel like, um, it could just be like a little bit more personal because I know so many people who are struggling with body image or food or something like that. So, um, just like making sure that time that you talk to them is probably one-on-one. I mean, I would never want like three against one, you know, so like just be one-on-one and just again, being like, I, I'm on my own recovery journey. And it's like super hard for me when I hear people talking about fasting and just so, you know, like it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. It does make me feel uncomfortable because Um, I want us to be able to be honest with each other and like, you know, making it about like your friendship and how you want to be close. I feel like is another good thing, but it's really hard to talk to people. It's really hard to, to be confrontational. Yeah, no, I think, I think that that's really good advice because I, I did an active listening training when I was in college and a lot of active listening is also active communicating. And a lot of that comes down to avoiding the blaming and avoiding the pointing finger at the other person and saying, you do this, it's your fault. And 
kind of framing it on you and saying, oh, I feel this way when I observe this or when I am in these situations. And it's really fucking hard to do that. It requires a lot of self-awareness and a lot of self-control and like really trying to be the better person. But it can also be really challenging, especially when it's a triggering topic. Totally. There's this, I took a few things from treatment. (laughs) I went to treatment too. One of the things I took is this like acronym. It's a DBT skill called dear man. Although I don't really use the last part of it. I used mostly the dear and you can kind of like write out what you want to say before you say it to somebody. So the D stands for describe. So you like describe the situation. So, and it makes me feel triggered when you bring up fasting. E stands for express. So I feel sad or like I express how you feel basically, which I kind of did in this first sentence. So express how you feel. The A stands for assert. So um, you say what you want from the situation. I don't want you to talk about fasting anymore. And then R stands for reinforce. So it's like, if you don't talk about fasting anymore, like I think we'll be closer than ever, you know? So it's like this interesting like formula that I feel like can be helpful Mm -hmm. too. Dear man, look it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think that's really helpful as well because it's easy to remember. Yeah. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really helpful tip for anyone who's listening. And I also wanted to briefly touch on spirituality. A lot of what I talk about is like grounded spirituality and like modern spirituality as well. And so I would love to hear about how that's played a role in your own journey and what spirituality means to you. Mm, spirituality has changed a lot so I grew up Catholic and then I was like in the Christian realm for a while and now I'm just kind of more um in in my own like journey and feeling like I again like kind of reclaiming my autonomy over like all these different aspects of my life and it feels really good to um be able to just kind of be more like a lot of people would call it lukewarm from the spaces that I've come from but I like being lukewarm like Mm -hmm. I like not knowing everything I like not having like assumptions about what's going to happen and um so for me spirituality really means just setting aside time to connect with myself and like with I think spirituality is everywhere like I think it's in everything all all around us there's I think all energy is spiritual so um I really do believe just like the physics of energy, like, and tapping that into spirituality. So anywhere you put energy, like you'll get something back. And so I really just like thinking about the world in that way. It's not really karma, but I guess it's like Mm -hmm. an interesting version of that. Um, And yeah, I feel like just having some belief in a higher power is makes my life feel so much more purposeful and it makes my life feel like if I really believed that this world was just chaotic and everything was random, I don't know how I would do it. I don't know how I would get through my day because life can be so hard. So I guess, you know, it just makes me feel more positive. And I always feel better after I meditate or pray or just think or just journal or anything just connected is 
I never regret it. It's like, you never like do it. And like, you're like, oh, that was not worth it. You know, you always feel better after. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. Like you never will say, oh, that sucked. Like after you have a really yeah. good mind dump on a journal, like totally. never. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I, I've never heard that before the lukewarm term. Mm. And it's, it's funny because a lot of the times when I ask people about their spirituality, a lot of people go to religion firstly, and it's be like, oh, like I grew up this way, or this is a type of environment that I was raised in. And then how that transitions to spirituality overall, which to me is this connection, connection to myself, connection to the world, to the universe, to everyone and energy, like you were saying. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think it's like a trust for me, it's a trust in the intelligence of life, like just being you know, there's moments where you're like, wow, I can't believe we're all synergistically like living together. I mean, obviously we're not synergistically living together these days, but you know, (laughs) fundamentally we are, and we're, I think meant to be. So, um, it's just kind of cool to be like, I trust my life on this earth. Like I trust all of my thoughts and feelings are here for a reason. All of my symptoms are our messengers and are here for a reason. Every time I'm hungry, I feel like it's spiritual. It's like, it's time for me to eat. You know, I feel like, just like you said, it's that connection and that um, it's like the opposite of being numb, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. Like it's the opposite of being numb. It's the ability to really feel and really be aware. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to be aware when you're trying to numb yourself. Super. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I also would love to ask you right now in this like stage in your journey in your life and your growth, what is something that keeps coming up for you that you are learning or that you're Mm. currently working on? Okay. I'm currently working on my relationship with pleasure. And a lot of that is like feeling deserving of honestly, like spending money on myself, spending time with myself, doing the thing that I have told myself I don't deserve. Like, I think I've, in my coaching, I do a lot of like life coaching, honestly. So a lot of, like, I work pretty much 50, 50 with eating disorder and then like how your eating disorder kind of transcends into all other aspects of life like you already said. So for me, my eating disorder really transcended into not just my relationship with people, but also my relationship with pleasure, my relationship with money, my relationship with time. So right now I am just really trying to lean into doing less and, um, spending money on myself, um, and not feeling guilty about it. Like I have conditioned myself to feel guilty anytime I give myself time, money, pleasure, anything. So that's something I'm breaking down. And it's so weird to kind of realize how little self-respect you can actually have for yourself. And so um, that's kind of what I'm working on now, primarily in my life. And um I'm, I'm in therapy for it. I mean, I just started, so I can't be like, I've been in therapy forever. I just started therapy. <laughs> Proud of you uh, for that. Again. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I, I've always done eating disorder recovery therapy. And now I'm like, I don't want to even want to talk about, it. I don't have any interest in talking about that. So it's kind of interesting. Um, 
but yeah, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at right now in terms of growth. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. And pleasure is really important. Play is really important and it really ties well with feminine energy, which I think has been like a core theme around a lot of the things we've talked about, which even going back to what you were saying about stress and running ourselves to the ground with like mental stress, physical stress, tapping into our feminine, tapping into quietness, tapping into trust and spirituality, and also with play and pleasure, like that's all tapping into our feminine and not being on the go, go, go and on the just basing our self-worth on what we're achieving and what we're doing and all these external things. So, yeah, it's really hard for me just to like do nothing, you know, like for a few hours, just like do nothing. And uh, I don't want that to be the case. You know, I want to be able to just relax and I want to do something like I feel like so much of what I do has an end goal. And I don't want that to be the case right now. I want a lot of the things I do just to be doing them to do them and not really focusing on how it's going to improve my productivity or improve my career and all this stuff. Like, I just want to, like, I'm taking this be, this be, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I just finished a ceramics class and yes. I, I, everything I made was like, truly everything I made was ugly. Um, cause I'm really bad at glazing. Like I don't, I don't want to say I'm really bad at it. It's really hard. That's what I'll say instead. It's really difficult. And so, but it was so fun just to be like, I don't really care. I'm not here because I want to be the best at it, you know? Yeah. And that can be really hard also, like accepting not being oh, the yeah. best or really oh, good yeah. at something. Just yeah. to do it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But once you do, it's easier. You know, once you're like, actually, like I'm, I have so much more fun. I'm so much more free when I just do something to do it. It's like, it's gold. It's the best. Yes. yes. Amazing. I love that. So transitioning into some rapid fire questions to close out the episode. Okay. The first question is, do you prefer coffee or matcha? I prefer coffee. I wish I preferred matcha, but I prefer <laughs> coffee. What do you like to put in your coffee? Um, I like to make a half, half-calf espresso. So I have an espresso machine and I just do milk and honey and cinnamon I froth it up yeah it sounds so good it's so good so yeah it's very classic yes love it and are there any books that have shaped your experience or that you love and would love to share with anyone listening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have all my books that I'm looking at right now um not all of them but a lot of them some a book that I really like that I feel like is super relevant to this conversation um is eating to the light of the moon that's a really good one it's all about femininity and eating super interesting and then I also love this other book called healing myths healing magic and um that one I feel like not a lot of people have heard of and I learned it about it in school and it's really cool it's exactly what it says it's like myths that people it's like limiting beliefs a lot of it are limiting beliefs that people tell themselves and then it's countering that so like the healing myths versus like healing magic so really like getting into the mindset of like you don't need to operate in the limiting beliefs of in regards to healing like your body wants to heal and um so that's a really beautiful book it's like a super quick read it's almost like a devotional Mm -hmm. format like you can read like one a day um it's really cool amazing 
Love that. I haven't heard of either of those. So I'm excited to check them out. And do you have a mantra or quote that you live by? I don't. Um, they, they changed through my, my like current situation. Um, the mantra that has been in my mind for the past few years, as I've been healing my digestion and finally feeling like it's, it's healed slash healing, um, is exactly what I keep saying is like the body wants to heal. Like your body wants to heal a lot of stuff too, is like your body craves safety, um, like don't abandon yourself, um, and a lot of self-forgiveness. So those, that was more than one, but no, I love those. Love it all. Yeah. Yeah. And what makes you feel like your higher self? I don't think I could pick one. Can I say no, some? It can be a few things. It can be a few things. Okay. What makes me feel like my highest self? Um, sleeping, having sex, um, wearing clothes that make me feel good, not wearing makeup, <laughs> and swimming in the ocean. Those are just things I randomly thought of. Yes. Yes. I love them all. I mean, so swimming in the ocean is just a magical experience in itself. So magic. It's the world's largest source of magnesium. So soak in there, just soak in there. I think when you come to LA, just, um, just sit in the ocean for a while. (laughs) Yes. No, I will. I will. I live in, my family lives in Florida. So whenever I come, we're not close to the ocean, but I, try to make at least one trip to the beach when I'm down here. Um, And then the last question is if someone didn't hear any of this episode and they just heard this part, what would you want (laughs) to leave them with? Um, I would say you deserve to speak your truth and that your feelings and thoughts are not wrong. And when you speak your truth and tune in, obviously consciously speaking your truth, you know, not harming other people, but speaking your truth, speaking up for yourself, reclaiming your power, the world will not fall apart. And in fact, it will align with you. The relationships you have, the things in your life, the career you have, like it will align more with you. So I would say embark on that transition because it's really worth it in the end that was amazing I always feel like whenever I ask the people who come on the podcast about that like what would you leave people with or the mantra like it's always what I need to hear too oh my gosh which, so is, cool. which is really beautiful and just synchronicities so mm-hmm. I love that so much and I just wanted to say I'm so grateful for you and I'm so happy you were able to come on the pod and share your light with my community. So thank you again. And I hope we get to meet in person when I come out to LA. I can't wait. It was so fun. Thank you for having me so much. Thank you. Can you just plug yourself, let everyone know where they can find you and if they want to work with you, where they can find that too. Sure. That's so sweet of you. Um, So I'm Kate Noel, N-O-E-L is how you spell my last name. I mean, that's actually not my last name. That's my middle name, but Kate Noel is my... um, (laughs) name on Instagram and on TikTok. On Instagram, there's two underscores after, and then on TikTok, there's one that's a little confusing. (laughs) On YouTube, you can just search Kate Noel and that's me. Um, Like I said, I'm thinking of coming back. So even though it's a little dusty right now, feel free to subscribe. (laughs) I still, it's weird YouTube. I still have the most followers on. So it's kind of funny that 
um, it's just like one of those platforms that I feel like is calling back to me. Yeah. And then, um, my website is katenoelwellness.com. And right now I have a wait list, but don't be intimidated by it because like I care about it a lot and I'll definitely get to get back to you at some point. So, um, you know, we can learn more about my coaching services and more about me there. So yeah. Amazing. And Kate also has a podcast. Oh yeah. Oh shoot. Yeah. Take the cake (laughs) is my podcast and, um, I can't wait to have you on. It'll be really good. Yes, Um, It'll be so fun. Yeah. It's a weekly podcast and most of it is about kind of stuff we talked about now, like recovery and I do some wellness, some lifestyle. So it's a good one. Lovely. I will link all of that in the description (laughs) of the episode. So everyone can find it super easily. And thank you again. Thank you so much. Okay. Yay. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.